How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Steps to being best friends with your spouse. Here's developing a friendship with your spouse, and here's how you do it. And the first is to be faithful. Now, this is Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Okay, this is Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, uh, friendship is mostly developed or lost in hard times. Okay. Good times are great. You know, when we're friends and things are going great, that's great, that's good. But when hard times hit, you will either gain my friendship more or lose my friendship more for what happens in hard times. Now, Karen and I, our marriage got healed and the Lord miraculously healed our marriage and people started coming to us for marriage counseling and I came on staff at the church. So I was speaking in front of people. I'd never done that before. I was terrified of that. Of Every issue I was, well, I lost my friendship with Karen. Um, Karen became the enemy. And I was trying to succeed at church and I was trying to be all things to all people and not fail. Um, I lost a couple of years with my kids. I don't remember those years. I have vague memories of those years, but I don't remember them very well. And the only thing I remember was just working my tail off, trying to not fail. And the motivation was fear. It was 100% fear. And I would come home at night, and Karen, Karen's a great woman. She's just a great wife. But I would come home at night, and, and what, I, what I wanted her to do when I came in at night was say, you poor baby, you've been fighting evil all day. You know, you come in here, and you don't lift a finger. We got you taken care of. And that's what I wanted, okay? But that's not what happened. And I would come in the house, you know, after a 12 to 14 day day at work, seven days a week. And she said, I need this. Brent needs this and Julie needs this. And it, it, it grated on me. And uh, I thought, I am trying to pastor a church. I'm trying to minister to people. I've been visiting the hospitals. I've been counseling. I've been doing funerals and weddings. I've been preparing for messages and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and so she would just stand there and look at me. And I mean, I, would, I was exhausted. I was just gone. And she would just look at me like, I need this. Brent needs this and Julie needs this. And I thought, sister, you're persecuting the Lord's anointed. God's going to strike you dead. And you better watch it. Oh, my gosh. So we started fighting about that. And um, uh, I started sleeping on the couch. And I just thought, I'm, I'm tired of that nonsense. So, and I was very self-righteous about it. I was very self-righteous. And um, I was praying. The third night on the couch, I was praying. And I was praying for Karen, for God to change her hard heart. <laughs> and I was laying there on the couch, and, and I said, Lord, I pray that you'd help Karen. 
because she's wrong. <laughs> and here's what the Lord said to me. He said, you have communicated to Karen in real terms that the church is more important than she is. Now you repent. And I, I, I said, get behind me, Satan. That, you know, but you know when it's the Lord, you know. So I went into the bedroom and Karen was in bed and I said, Karen, I'm sorry. And she said, what? And I said, I, I need to leave the church. I'm not prepared. I've never been to seminary. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm terrified. And it's just killing me. Now the church was growing. I mean, the church was doing good. I, it was killing our family. And Karen said, Jimmy, God called you to the ministry. Just don't turn your heart away from us. Just come home and be at home. And so I stayed working for the church and I went to the elders and I said, help me. Help me to not be all things to all people. Help me to cut back, protect me because I'm, I'm burning out. I'm, I'm no good at this and all that stuff. Well, they did, but, but here's my point. I wasn't faithful to my friend, but my repentance to her was one of the things because I was deeply repentant and I changed. I changed everything after that. You have to be faithful. You can't just be your spouse's friend when you want to be or when it's convenient. In the hardest time, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. It's the hard times of life that your friendship is developed the most. It's the hard times in life where the trust in our relationship is developed the most. That's when we have to pay the most attention. And if we've made a mistake, that's where we have to be careful to go back and make it right. The second foundation of friendship is believing in each other. And this is what it says in James 2. The scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friends of God. Best friends, you know, you'll never be friends with someone who doesn't believe in you. And so, did you know, by the way, one of the reasons for marriage is that it brings us both to our full potential. That what we do for each other is we both release the potential in our spouse. Let me give you an example of this. The number one need that a woman has is security. And a woman becomes in an atmosphere of security. Uh, a good husband is a good greenhouse. He provides a, a, a nurturing protective environment for his wife. Well, when Karen and I got married, I never considered her calling. I never considered that, because I was a chauvinist. I didn't believe that women were as important as men. And so um, I believed in Karen. I, I, I loved her physically, and I loved a lot of things about her, and I praised her for that. But because of the environment that I created for Karen of insecurity, she never became so one day I'll stand before Jesus and give an account for what I've done for Karen. And understand this. Every husband is God's partner to bring his wife to her full potential. But in order for that to happen, you have to believe she has potential. You have to believe that God made her in her mother's womb to do something special. Whatever that is. And as a husband, my job is to be God's partner to find out why God created Karen and to believe in that. In other words, if I don't get mine, she's going to get hers. More important than me getting there, I want to get her there. I want to make sure that my wife understands if she's a stay-at-home mom, if she's a teacher, if she's a nurse or a doctor, if she's an astrophysicist, I want her to know that it is very important for me that she gets where God created her to be, that I believe in her. And that's what heals women. What scars women is for them to be lesser, not believed in, have to fight for everything that they get,
So it's a husband's role to believe in his wife, to speak destiny into her. In other words, not boss her around, but to agree with her that there's a special call in her life for every woman. Men become in an atmosphere of praise. A man's number one need is respect. We don't need what women need. We need respect. Men become in an atmosphere where they're respected and praised. A good wife is a good cheerleader. A good husband is a good greenhouse, but a good wife is a good cheerleader. And the more you praise your husband, see, 1 Peter 3 says, a wife can change her husband without a word as he observes your chaste and respectful behavior. Respect is so powerful in the life of a man will change our behavior for the person giving it to us. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You can win your husband. If your husband's doing the wrong thing, you can win your husband as he observes your chaste, and respectful behavior. It is so powerful. When we believe in each other, it's inductive. I want to be around people who believe in me. I want to be around people who focus not just on themselves, but also on me. And when you have two people in a marriage who both believe in each other, that's, that's, you become best friends. The third thing is embracing each other's differences, is that we become friends by embracing each other's differences. You never, you, never, uh, you never have a friend who criticizes you all the time and who rejects your differences. Now, if you married someone normal, they're not like you. Now, that doesn't sound good, but it's right. If you married a normal person, they're just completely opposite of you. Now, we need to be compatible, but compatibility is not based on sameness. Compatibility is based on character and values. Do we believe in the same things? Are we going the same place? Do we want the basic same things in life? That's what makes us compatible. But even if you're very compatible, if you marry your perfect soulmate, you're just completely different than they are. And there's three types of differences in marriage. There are rejected differences, there are tolerated differences, and there are celebrated differences. When Karen and I got married, I completely rejected her differences. She was a normal woman, but I didn't understand women. And I just thought I'm normal, she's not like me, so she's not normal. And, um, you know, the, uh, there's the old saying that marriage is about becoming one. The question is, which one? <laughs> and a lot of times we get married and rather than accepting the differences in our spouse, we try to train them to be like us, which is impossible. You, it's, you can't change an unchangeable. And the surest way to fail is try to change an unchangeable. A woman's number one need is the need of security. Her number two need is open and honest communication. Her number three need is soft, non-sexual affection. Her number four need is for leadership, for her husband to be the loving initiator. A man's number one need is respect. His number two need is sex. His number three need is to be friends with his wife. And his number four need is domestic support. How can you get more different than that? We're different. 
We're two halves of a whole. And so many times in marriage, you know, rejected differences mean you're weird. You need to be like me because if, if you were like me, you wouldn't be weird anymore. But you're just, when I would say to Karen, Karen, when we first got married, she would say something, I'd say, that is so weird. It wasn't weird. She was just being normal. She was just being a woman. But I, I rejected it. The second thing is tolerated differences. It's, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, women, you can't live with them. You can't live without them. I'll tolerate you. You know, you're pretty, so you can hang around. <laughs> Celebrated differences. You're, I'm so glad you're on my team. I just think you're awesome. You know, we fit together just like this, don't we? All of my weaknesses, you fill them in. Isn't it just awesome how God put us together? You never are friends with someone who puts you down. You're never friends with someone who doesn't believe in you. Number four, be real and transparent and allow your spouse the same right. Be real. This is John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what your, his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all the things that I heard from my father, I made known to you. And so friendship means being honest. Okay, this is the next one here. Be a safe place of refuge for your spouse. If there's going to be honesty in the relationship, it just means I'm going to be a... I, listen, okay, here's, here's how you know who your best friend is. It's the first person you call when something great or bad happens. Why do you make that call? Because they're safe. I know that if, if something bad happened, that they're going to be merciful. If something good happened, I know they're going to celebrate with me. I know that they're not going to be disinterested. I know that they're not going to be unkind or judgmental. And so that's what, I want to be Karen Evans' safe place. If anything good or bad happens in her life, I want her to come to me first. And for that to happen, I've got to be non-judgmental. I've got to be a good listener. I've got to value what she says, and I have to be there in those times she does it. So I'm going to be her safe place. Here's another thing, and this is critically important. Be fun and creative and have a positive attitude. Uh, Proverbs 18, 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Now, I do a, a seminar called Sex, Love, and Communication, and in there I do a, a teaching, and it's called the fun, the fun Factor. Now, this is an interesting thing. Um, having fun in marriage dramatically improves your marriage. And one of the danger signs in marriage is when you're not having fun. We talked to women for just a minute. Come into his world. Don't get lost in the identity of a mother. And one of the things that happens get, can damage the friendship of a marriage is you get married and you begin to have kids and you have three or four kids or whatever. And all of a sudden your kids own you. You know, you're doing everything you can to please them. And you lose your identity of a friend to your wife and being a mother to the kids. And sometimes you can even start treating your husband like a kid because sometimes they can act like kids. And so everybody's a kid. And all of a sudden you're lost in the identity of a mother rather than being your husband's best friend. And one of the most important things is to have fun with your husband and to go into his world, to find things that you enjoy doing together. But uh, I told the story recently about a couple that their, their marriage was healed because she went deer hunting with him and she didn't deer hunt, but their marriage was in trouble. And she said to her husband, he was going deer hunting, can I come with you? And he just turned to look at her like, sure, you can come with me. We love that. We love that. You know, and it doesn't have to, women a lot of times, they consider a date something that you really worked hard on. But, but a man, it's a date if we jump in the pickup and go down to 7-Eleven. I mean, it's just, 
just being with you is a date. Just being in your presence, having fun and hanging out, that's a date. So you work hard at having fun. The last thing is bearing each other's burdens. This is Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Galatians 6 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, that's what friends do. So when Karen and I wake up in the morning until the time we go to bed, now this is the truth. We serve each other. That's all we do. I do the stuff I'm good at. Karen does the stuff she, she's good at. And we serve each other all day long. We bear each other's burdens. And so physically, you know, I'll, I've got an office at home. And Karen will call me and say, I'm coming down the street. I've got groceries. You know what that means. <laughs> it means meet me in the garage. There's some fetching and toting you're about to do. Okay. I do that. I love it. See, here's another way to say that. My friend is not someone who stands back watching me do something and doesn't help. Right? Friends help. You're moving and they say, you need some help? Something's going on. Say, you need some help? That's my friend. My friend is not going to sit there and watch me do something that's a burden and not help me. So my, my job is to do what I'm best at. So Karen will say to me today, can you go get the mail? Can you do this? I fold clothes. I, uh, I vacuum. I, I make beds. I, do all, I don't cook for health and safety reasons. I, there's, <laughs> there's limits to what I can do. But Karen serves me all day long. When I was getting ready to come here tonight, Karen said, uh, what do you need? And I said, would you mind doing this and this? No, she goes and does it. So we, we serve each other. We bear each other's burdens, but I'm not going to stand back and watch her working and suffering and doing something that I can do without helping her. Because why? Because we're friends. And so if you didn't develop the right skills of being friends, maybe when you're dating and maybe your, your friendship has taken a hit from some issues that you've had in your marriage, again, these things... Anyone can do this. When you're working on your marriage, you say, we're going to be friends again. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. And we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today. 